To all my heavy hitters and lockdown defenders, welcome to the Lockdown Defense Podcast, episode 36. 36 episodes in, man, we back in the building, and we just getting started, man. We are not done. We are just getting started. We appreciate everybody's viewership up to this point, all our loyal subscribers, all our new subscribers, appreciate your support and your love out there, man. We're going to keep doing this thing big for y'all. Oh, man, we got a jam-packed show today, man. Like I said, always, Lockdown Defense Podcast goes live each and every Tuesday, 10 a.m., YouTube, Google Podcasts, Spotify, you name it, we doing it. Anchor, check us out. All the links and descriptions are below. All our social media and all our platforms, so check it out. Also, check out Sports Talk with Coach Kurt each and every Saturday, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, twitch.tv forward slash Lockdown Defense Sports. Check that out as well. Link in the description as well. Oh, man, the show's going to be good today, man. I, I feel it in my bones. It's going to be good today. A lot of NBA news. Got some good NFL news. Uh, we're going to do a few big things for y'all. We're going to talk about Lakers' locker room as well. We're going to first start off with Coach Defense uh, High Games of the Week. We're going to go through our games from Tuesday to Monday night. We're going to talk about that. We're going to break the summer news about Jamal Murray's injury. We're going to talk about that. LaMarcus Aldridge retired as well. We're going to talk about that briefly. And uh, we'll get into what the impact is going to be uh, for the Nuggets and the Nets alike, uh, being that they lost those players for the season. And LaMarcus Aldridge actually retired, so he's done uh, permanently. But uh, you know, we wish him well in his retirement. We talk about the Nuggets. Uh, you know, they may sign Austin Rivers, so we talk about uh, how that will impact the team if they do do that. We talk about the Boston Celtics. Uh, they resurgence. Uh, I, I almost left them for dead. In in retrospect, you know, being they were floundering towards the uh, latter part of the All Star break into you know maybe like a week or two after the All Star break, they were really uh, having some internal issues there, and they were uh, definitely having in need of some soul searching. Definitely. So I wouldn't want to talk about that and how they. Uh, they become a, a prominent team again. They're definitely fighting up the ranks, and what will they finish, we think. Uh, we're talking about the Knicks as well. The Knicks are very surprising. Uh, I think everybody in the NBA world left them for dead, and they are definitely playing really good ball behind Julius Randle right now, so we'll talk about them. We'll talk about Kevin Durant. As the young kids say in uh, social media these days, KD is down bad. Uh, he got into a Twitter argument with Shannon Sharp this week. He got a question about his top five players uh, players you ever played with that was questionable and now he's hurt again so he's down bad man we'll talk about him as well we're getting to our MVP conversations as we wrap up I think we've got about 15 games to the end of the season but we'll talk about who I think our leading candidates are we'll also do player spotlight we'll talk about a few players that we want to spotlight this week they've been lighting it up from everywhere practically so we'll get into that uh quick COVID update not much is reported in that regard which is good news so we'll talk about that then we're gonna see NFL news We'll talk about we'll talk about Deshaun Watson again. And some new claims out there, uh, and in regards to his defense, uh, we'll talk about that and what the Texans had to say finally about uh, the issue in his, uh, I guess you can say his legal battles. Uh, we'll talk about the Hall of Fame. Uh, there's been a lot of talk in this last week since Julie Edelman retired, whether or not he's classified as a Hall of Famer and what that means. I want to talk about that. We're gonna do a new segment this week called "Put Up a Shut Up." Uh, there's some young quarterbacks out here that's gonna go into their third and fourth year in, in certain regards and. It's, uh, it's go time. I think the talent that they've been put around them uh, in large part is, you know, there's no excuses left. So I think we're going to talk about those quarterbacks, young quarterbacks that are mainly on rookie deals. One is on a extended deal. That is, you know, it's go time. We got to figure out exactly what you're going to do as far as being an elite quarterback. Are you going to put up or you going to shut up? Uh, we're going to talk about the, the draft as well. We're going to talk about the 49ers in their uh, back and forth with their quarterback take. I, I just don't understand what the situation is with them. We're going to get into that. Uh, I, 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 got a, I got a lot to talk about in that regard. We're going to talk about it. And we'll get into our mock draft. We'll do picks 21 through 26 this week, and uh, we'll get into that real heavy. 
Then we'll do Lakers Locker Room. We'll give a recap of our uh, last week's games, what AD status is. He may play this week. Uh, how, how we fared in our games this week and how we're going to look going into our next few, next four games. I think three or four games we got coming up. And with the timeline, it's like for LeBron to come back if AD does come back this week. And uh, and we'll see what we's gonna what outlook's going to look like as far as the playoffs. Then we get to the fourth quarter closeout. We'll give out our awards for Breakout Player of the Week, Lockdown Defender of the Week, and Big Dummy Week. Even got a Black Excellence of the Week this week, so we'll talk about that as well. So let's get into who's in the news, man. Let's get it. So let's talk who's in the news. We'll start with the NBA. Uh, as typical, we've been doing the last few weeks. We'll start with uh, Coach Defense's hot games of the week. So Tuesday, we were tracking the Blazers versus the Celtics. And um, and as I alluded to in the intro, the Celtics have been definitely playing really good basketball here in the last week or two. And uh, they played a really good, uh, highly contested battle with the Blazers. Uh, I'm a little disappointed with the Blazers personally. I think they had all the pieces once they got everybody healthy to really make an impact. And they just haven't done it now. Dame Lillard's out, so that's a whole other problem. But Jason Tatum doesn't care. <laughs> you know, I mean... We're talking 32 points in this game, uh, plus three pointers late. They propelled them to a 116-115 victory over the Blazers. Very good game. Uh, down to the wire, like I said, it wasn't for Tatum's 32 points and his three pointers late. Uh, they might not have fared so well, so the Blazers definitely fought, but uh, the Celtics pulled out and prevailed with a one-point victory. Wednesday, we were tracking the Nets versus the 76ers. I was ready for this game. Now... Again, they got mired by controversy a tad bit. Even Stephen A. Smith had something to say about the fact that uh, no big guns were really playing in this game. Uh, you know, naturally, you know, progression of back to back. Some people would take days off. You know, I mean, it happens. I mean, whether you agree with it or not, it happens. Uh, so this game ended up being a back to back for the next because of the shooting on Monday of last week in uh, Minnesota. So they had to play the Timberwolves on Tuesday, which made their Game against the 76 is a back-to-back. So no KD in this one. Uh, and Joel Embiid took full advantage of them being light in roster. And, of course, LaMarcus Aldridge retired just recently, so he was not there. So uh, Joel decided that I'm just going to make sure work of the Nets, essentially. He had 39 points in, I want to say, 26 minutes. And they the, the Nets beat, the uh, the Nets lose to the 76 is going away. Uh, it was closer in, in towards the end than, than they really looked. But it was a 123 117 victory for the Nets, for the, excuse me, for the 76ers. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, they, like I said, Joel Embiid made sure work of them. Uh, got buckets early and often, really wasn't doing a whole lot of missing, you know, in, all, in large regard. So, uh, the 76ers take this one, 123 to 117. On Thursday, I was tracking, you know, when you got this game on the docket, you know, I, if, even if there are, you know, other games playing that night, you got to give this a look. Uh, you know, even though there's a different roster right now, the Lakers versus Celtics. You know, heated, most heated in, in story rivalry in the franchise history on both sides in NBA history as well. So, uh, you know, I, I really was hoping that we would compete in this game, but, you know, not realizing that the Southern's going to be out of this moment when they played us because they were really, you know, down on a downturn after the All-Star break. But uh, Jalen Brown, man, <laughs> Jalen Brown was 17-20 to 20 from the field for 40 points. I mean, uh, it, what can you do with that? And then... And the way him and Jalen Brown, the way Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum worked off each other in tandem all night was a headache for the Lakers and their, um, you know, roster that's minus AD and LeBron, let's just say it. Minus those two big guns, it, it was just too much. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum had really big nights, and they beat the Lakers 121 to 113. And I really feel like that score does not even indicative of how, how much of an onslaught the Celtics put on the Lakers. 
in all honesty. But um, yeah, it was it was it was a one twenty one one thirteen game at the end, but it wasn't close. So Friday, the seventy six is in the Clippers uh, battle, and uh, the Beast was special again. The Beast was special again. Embiid had thirty six points and eleven boards, and seventy uh, six beat the Clippers one hundred six to one hundred three. I'll tell you, he's back, baby. He's back. So Saturday, Warriors uh, decided they want to play the Celtics, so they wanted a chance or run at the Celtics as well. Uh, this was a highly contested game. Highly contested game. Uh, Jason Tatum and Steph Curry went, I mean, pillar to post. I mean, it was like a heavyweight bout of three-point shooting and just offense in general. Uh, Tatum outdueled uh, Steph in the win, but Steph had the most points by three. Steph had 47. <laughs> uh, Tatum had 44, and uh, Celtics get to win 119 and 114. So the Celtics are rolling, man. They they they're highly uh, regarded in this week's games, and they've been winning at a high clip. Got to give them credit. So on Sunday, uh, I was tracking this game as well: the Nets versus the Heat, and the Pelicans versus the Knicks. Now the Knicks came up on my radar because I'm like, they're winning at a large clip. I want to say at least at least five and only last five games. I'll check what their last 10 is, but they're definitely winning and winning big. Uh, Gotta give Nick's credit. We'll talk about them in a minute. But uh, first off, the Nets versus the Heat and uh, uh, good old Bam Adebayo had a game-winning jumper late. And uh, and this game was, you know, my urban controversy as well because I talked about Katie in the intro. He went down with a thigh contusion and uh, he's day-to-day. Calling that he's day to day, so uh, he went out in this game early. So the, the Heat fought back, and uh, Bam got the ball with a few seconds left and hit a, uh, I guess you could say a baseline j- short jumper to put the uh, the Heat up one hundred nine to one hundred seven. That ended up being the ball game. So uh, definitely shouts out to Bam out of bio and the Heat for getting a W. But the Nets, the Nets has got problems, man. They got problems. They just can't seem to keep a uh, healthy roster on, on the court right now, and that's gonna be problematic. We got fifteen to play. Hope they get right if they want to compete in these playoffs. I'm telling you. So the Pelicans and the Knicks go at it uh, in Madison Square Garden. And this was a back and forth battle between uh, quote unquote, you know, big young men, you know, Julius Randle and Zion Williamson. And they went back and forth and had very similar numbers. Randle had 33 and 10, Zion 34 and 9. Uh, this game went to overtime. Uh, but the, the, the Knicks took over in overtime and ended up beating. The Pels, 122 to 112. Uh, it was a controversial call towards the end where the Pelicans had a lapse in defense and they just forgot what the what the play was. They were supposed to foul uh, on a two-point shot, not a three. Ended up giving up a three to send them over time, and then the Knicks took over from there. <laughs> just took over from there. Uh, wild game, wild game. So the Knicks take it. It was definitely a good game. Zion said after the game, he loved playing in Madison Square Gardens. So I wonder what that means for the future, but... Uh, <laughs> It was definitely a good game. Definitely a good game. Got to give him credit. Definitely a good game. So on Monday, we tracked the Suns versus the Bucks, which should have been a good game, and it was. I went down to the wire. Uh, it was, an, I don't know if you want to call it a controversy. A lot of people, you know, had questions about it when it happened, but um, Devin Booker ended up getting fouled at the end of the game uh, in the regulation, and he hit uh, free throws to, to give the uh, Suns the victory. Now, who... Again, you know, they always get into the idea of, you know, whether refs, you know, were they, quote unquote, you know, injecting themselves into the game, you know, in a, in a large sense. You know, you got always got questions about that, you know, but I mean, hey, I, from my purview, it was a foul. 
You know, I think that it was a foul. So, you know, Devin get it, you know, gets to the free throw line, knocks down some key uh uh free throws at the end and win one twenty eight to one one twenty eight to one twenty seven. Uh Phoenix wins. Now, the interesting thing about this one is that uh Giannis got uh somewhat hurt in you know towards the end of the game as well. Uh but it just seemed like as if it was cramping. He didn't seem as like he had uh any, you know, long standing injury, but uh yeah, he was he's cramping a lot and things of that nature. So hopefully he's, he'll be good going forward because he just came back off, you know, actual injury. Like he was banged up a little bit. So hopefully he will definitely uh, not be out long and he can, you know, pull his team together, you know, in time for these uh, playoffs in the next month or so. So, yeah, so that was it. You know, like I said, it was a pretty good game on both sides. Uh, you know, like I said, Devin Booker and, uh, and Giannis and company, they definitely battled back and forth. Suns are still rising. Suns are still rising. So we give them credit. And with Donovan Mitchell being out, you know, for the foreseeable future, I think the Suns have a good inside track on uh, taking over the one seed possibly, which I think will hurt the Jazz because I think the Jazz really need home court more so than the Suns do. They really play really well at home. You know, I think that's their niche. They play really well at home. So we got to look out for that. Um, but, yeah, but yeah, that was some hot games for the week. So we'll um, we'll keep things flowing. But, um, but yeah, definitely uh, the Suns-Bucks game was definitely uh, mired to controversy. But, you know, like – Hey, this is bought on lie. You knock down the free throws. You know, it is what it is. One point victory. So uh, yeah, I mean, I'll just uh I'll just be honest and say it. You know, I was very um somber when I saw this news. But I talked about this in sports talk before, but uh, Jamal Murray got hurt. And I literally watched it. You know, it was the game was practically over. Jamal drove the lane, tried to make a play, and he tweaked his knee. Ended up tearing his ACL. You know, and he was surviving in pain, but I was just hoping that, you know, because you know, Embiid had the same, you know, type of hyperextension injury where he arrived in pain as well. But um, luckily he was okay. No structural damage in this sense, but Jamal wasn't so lucky. So uh, Jamal tore his ACL, and it looked like it's going to be, you know, a season-ending uh, injury and may lead in, linger into the end of next season because if he doesn't, if he doesn't uh, rehab, over, you know, I guess you can say above schedule, it's typically a year injury. And, be looking at it it's normal end of the regular season from uh, october start will be april so he might be out for a whole another year which really sucks for the nuggets man i really was hoping that they would uh take a turn and and bring themselves up into the upper echelon of the west and just they just can't seem to catch a break you know there are rumors that they want to sign austin rivers to replace um murray uh which will help but i'm not sure he's gonna be well let's be honest here let's just be honest he won't be Jamal Murray, but he will help them. And with them having Aaron Gordon as well, and, and Jokic playing at an MVP level, they got to fight his chance. They definitely got to fight his chance. But I like them much better in their lineup and how balanced they were with Murray being on the floor because the kid is special. He is special. And I I was talking about these young kids at length, you know, Luca, Jamal, Jason, Donovan, Devin. I talk about these young guys as being the future. And I'm just seeing them go down, you know, back to back to back in injury. And I, I'm telling you, we need to protect Devin and Jason at all costs because they're the only ones left. You know, they hadn't got hurt. You know, some people have come, have gotten hurt and come back, but they're the only ones that haven't got hurt at, at length. I mean, hell, Jason had COVID, you know. So, I mean, just protect my young bulls, man. Protect my young bulls. I, that's all I can really say about it. You know, so I'm hoping that they can, you know, Donovan can come back for sure. You know, his ankle sprain, but it's not severe enough where he's going to keep him out towards the playoffs so he'll be all right but i'm just i'm just feeling for my young guys man they just you know and i really feel like it's indicative of this uh condensed schedule and rush schedule and 
you know, Rush playing, you know, coming back to play after the bubble, you know, all this fatigue, you know, is weighing on these guys and their bodies and fatigue, whether people realize it or not, causes a lot of injuries. And I feel like because, I mean, just look at Jamal's injury. He was out Sunday because of knee soreness and he plays on Monday and he gets hurt. I mean, that's just it. I mean, and if it's he, because obviously based upon how much, how many, how much wear and tear he's been put on his body in the short supply here lately. So, you know, have to be super and hyper athletic on a, every other night basis. It takes a toll on your body, you know, and they tried to rest him, but you know, he tweaked that knee and next thing you know, he's out for the year. I mean, come on, you know, it's, it's again, a record number of injuries to big stars. I mean, you got countless people on the nets out. You got two big stars and Lakers out. You got Jamal Murray's out, Donovan's out. You know, it list goes on. This goes on. And, you know, MB went out for a spell. He came back. Uh, you know, it's, it's it's rough, man. It's rough. And that, you know, a, a pandemic and all this other stuff is just it's just rough on a sport, man. But I'm just, I guess I'm just grateful to have it. Just grateful to have it as overall. But it's definitely changing the game. You know, I think it's going to take a turn in the West, you know, that we might not have seen or foreshadowed based upon the fact that Jamal's not there. So. I still think they got a good chance, and they haven't lost, I don't think, since Jamal has been out. But and they got a soft schedule, in a sense, you know, coming down to uh, in, in this last couple of weeks of this month. They don't really play a competitive game uh, until May, you know, and that's wrap up the season. We don't got like a half a month left once you get into May. Um, so you know, it could it could work out, but they will hold serve in their seating, but their chances of competition – Getting making a deeper run into the playoffs is mired by the fact that they're missing Jamal. That's gonna be rough. It's gonna be rough to deal with, rough to watch. But I hope he has a speedy recovery and gets back better than ever. So in the similar news uh, on the eastern side, east conference side, uh, Lamarcus Aldridge uh, broke news this week that he has a heart condition, uh, irregular heartbeat, uh, which dates back to apparently his Portland days, where he's always had some type of a rare heart condition. And I just assumed that it was it was pretty much controlled by medical care or uh, it wasn't severe at the time. But as he's gotten older, apparently it, it fl- either flared up or he had an additional issue, which caused him to retire this week past. And but shocking news. I really didn't expect it. And I really wasn't aware of his heart condition at all. So it was really, you know, shocking news to everybody that was listening to the sports world. But you know, I definitely wish him well, though, man. I mean, your heart, your, your heart and your health is way more important than a basketball in any in all days so take care of yourself buddy and i really hope that you are you know take care of yourself and your health is paramount and enjoy your life after basketball because it's really bigger than that and you've played a great you had a great career you made your money you know it's no reason to force it and try to cause anything you know that that's what you know to yourself that's gonna be detrimental down the line so we wish the winners retirement now what that means for the nets is is you know the i guess you can say the million dollar question and then I think they got a lot of issues, period. You know, it's just that they can't stay healthy. You know, is Kyrie has not really been hurt this year, but he's had some mental focus issues where he's wanted to take personal days and deal with other things as far as mental health and social justice, injustice issues and family concerns and things of that nature. So he hasn't been readily available. KD keeps getting hurt. Harden's now hurt. They lose Aldridge. I don't know, man. I don't know. It's, it's it's rough. I mean, can you fill the team, you know, holistically, you know, enough to try to two play together between now and the end, start of the playoffs? And and if you don't, that makes matters worse going into the playoffs. Can you just 
flip a switch and turn it on and, and win games, maybe early on. But once you start to get into the semifinals and finals of the conference, it's going to get harder and harder. And Bucks and, and 76ers in particular are not going to take it easy on you. They're trying to win just as bad as you, if not more. So got to bring it. Got to bring it. You know, I think that's a, a blow to them. And I think he was – Marcus added more from a scoring standpoint than Blake Griffin does in in part. But I think that um it was definitely – he will be missed. You know, sad that he lost Spencer Dinwiddie as a big man and then lost uh, Argus to retirement. So it's just rough in injury land for the Nets, man. It's just to hope they can get healthy and, and compete in the playoffs. So uh, let's talk about Boston while we remain in the East. Now, I, I was very – all out on Boston in the last month because they hadn't prior to the all-star break. And then, you know, right after the all-star break, maybe a week or two after they uh, were losing games at a high clip. And I just didn't understand why. Well, I, I lie. I lie because I, I said what the problem was early on is that Kimba's inconsistency and that problem being addressed along with them having a team meeting, a players only team meeting. And then I guess you, as you know, for large part, you just have a call to Jesus moment. They decided to meet amongst each other and figure out what the problem is because they really didn't understand. And Marcus Smart was the spearheader of this. Um, and I feel like he's the emotional leader of that team that they were trying to fix their problems before they got worse. And they were sitting on the outside looking in from the playoffs perspective. They were literally down at, at the AC at, the, at one point. And I was like, Oh my God, they, they, they falling off the map. And I just didn't. I just didn't like it. You know, what I mean, of course, I'm a clearly a Jason Tatum fan. I'm and I'm also, uh, <laughs> I'm also a, a Jalen Brown fan. I mean, I didn't like the way he lit us up the other night. You know, forty for forty points. You know, when he beat the Lakers. But I mean, definitely a fan of his. I just really feel like Kimball was holding him back, and uh, that particular aspect has been better in this in his win streak. And I would have to give him credit for finally riding the ship, at least in small sample size. So I'm thinking. I'm thinking that if they can continue to play this way, they will come right back up into the charts and, and get into the guaranteed playoff spots and stay there. Uh, whether it's, I guess you can say four through six is, is still questionable. You got the Heat in there. You got the Hawks in there, the Knicks in there. You know, so who can they replace in that particular regard is questionable. But they if they keep playing like this. I really think the sky's the limit. I like their team. They're getting Evan Foreigner back soon, and he'll be another added piece offensively, so that's good. But I really think that the team can go far if they play together and Kimba is that guy that he's supposed to be from an offensive standpoint. So that's really just the key. I mean, Jalen and, and Jason are definitely going to play and they're definitely going to do their thing. It's just a question of what Kimba's going to add to the fracas. It will ultimately determine how far they go. And can he keep keep playing at a consistent level? It, it remains to be seen, but if he does, I think that team can definitely surprise people. So let's look off of Boston, man. Let's see how they how they fare down the stretch. I mean, like I said, we got about 15 games or so left. So I think that uh, it, it, they can make some noise. It's just a matter of uh, how the season breaks, for you know, in a large part. But um, you know, gotta give them credit for winning. Cause like I said, I almost said I left them for dead, but I definitely was curious about what it what it meant, you know, as far as you know, what they were going to do with Kimba playing, quote-unquote, lackluster up until now. <laughs> now, I will have to be honest here and say that, that, again, the Bulls caught another body. I almost forgot this this point. They were one, two, three, four, five, six 
it was six. They were six. They won six in a row after losing the 76ers. And then they lost to the Bulls. <laughs> they lost to the Bulls tonight. So, uh, you know, I guess you could say, well, Monday night. Uh, they lost to the Bulls Monday night, 102 to 96. Uh, Vujovic gave him 29. So, yeah, I mean, it was, I think it was, was that a back to back? I feel like. No, no, it wasn't a back to back. But yeah, the, the Bulls caught a body. They went in there sleeping. I tell you, yeah, stop sleeping on Chicago, man. But outside of that, I mean, out of the last one, two, three, they probably one, two, three. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. They're eight and two in the last ten. So, hey, shouts out to them, man. Shouts out to them. Alrighty, so let's move on to the Knicks as we stay at the Eastern Conference. The Knicks are, again, one of those teams that I, I left for dead. Nobody thought that the Knicks were going to be this good, you know, this soon. Uh, but nobody else also predicted that Julius Randle was going to be playing at an All-Star, you know. Team MVP like level, in large part, you know, got to give him credit in that regard because he's been, he's been on a tear. Like the last five games, they've all been W's. He's had 26, 34, 32, 44, and 33. <laughs> all have been W's. And in two two games of those, three games of those, he's had a double doubles either in assists or rebounds. Hey man, the kid is definitely doing his thing. Definitely doing his thing. So, uh, the Knicks are, you know. Right in the thick, thirty-one and twenty-seven. <laughs> you third, you know, they third in the Atlantic Division. Oh, you know, and I want to say, from a standing standpoint, I think they're. Last I checked, I want to say they're fifth. They're fifth. Eh. Let's see, they are six right now. They're tied. See, that's that's what's tripped me up. They're tied with Boston at thirty-one and twenty-seven, uh, for the fifth and sixth seed. So yeah, so there you have it. So they they definitely tied with the with Celtics right now with, with that loss the Celtics just took. So they're definitely virtually tied. So yeah, they they playing really good basketball right now. And uh, like I said, they they won their last five. And if you want to break down of the last ten, they're seven and three in their last ten. Got to give them credit. Got to give them credit. And they're not. You know, they beat the Pelicans. They beat the, they they beat the Lakers. Uh, lost to the Celtics in the Nets, but uh, but yeah, so they're the big teams they're supposed to beat, and they haven't beaten any contenders in the last ten, quote unquote. But you know, I, I mean, again, they, this is just this is just house money because nobody expected the Knicks to be good this year. You know, RJ Barrett, you know, and Julius Randle. They was like, what? Well, this depends on how well they do, whether or not they'll be a, a super lottery team or or outside of playoffs and playoff game. But they now own it with the five seed. Yeah, to give him credit, man. Got to give him credit. Now, like I said, I love the way Julius Randle's playing. I always give kudos and, and and show love to former Lakers, man. And I think that he's definitely doing his thing, and hopefully, it continues. But the Nets, the Knicks are definitely a a very pleasant surprise for the NBA this year. Got to give him credit. So, the, you know, the question is, how far would they go? You know, in the playoffs, would they win? Would they win a few games in the, in the first round game? You know, or you know, it just depends. Really, just depends. But. I definitely like the fact that they're doing their thing. Definitely like they're doing, the fact that they're doing their thing. And we'll see uh, how it shakes out for them in a postseason and when it gets to uh, the next year's season, who they can acquire the free agency that will help them take the next step. But again, it's just very surprising because everybody left them for dead for sure. And they said, they're not going to make the playoffs. It's not going to be anything. And turn around and look. <laughs> they're a playoff team right now. Who knew? All right, so let's talk about Kevin Durant. <sighs> My boys, again, like I said, he's down bad. He just has 
some really horrible luck these days. You know, on and off the court. On and off the court. It started off with the fact that he had a, a Twitter spat with Shannon Sharp over some comments Shannon made on Undisputed. And uh, they went back and forth, which ultimately led to Shannon blocking him for the sanctity of his job because if he went too far with it, and I guess he said Katie pushes buttons too far, he's going to say something that might cost him a job, which I understand. I understand. I mean, going into back and forth with somebody on Twitter, you know, to the to, uh, unhealthy level could end up costing you some money or a job in, in certain regards. So you're protecting his, his you're protecting home. I get, I get it. I get it. I, I'm not even mad at you. I'm mad at you. You know, I'm not going to get into who was white and who was wrong in the situation. I think it started off with the fact that I think Katie was misquoted and they went back and forth. He said somebody's uncle was lying on him on TV and this and the third. But, you know, regardless of what the beef was, I got a, I got a bigger question for KD in this regard. It, where's your focus at, bro? Like, where's your focus at? Like, why is it that you have time to beef with Michael Rappaport at a high level? You got time to beef with Shannon Sharp at a high level on on social media. And anybody else, you know, we going back from, to the burner account days to now, you got all this, you know, extra time to beef with people when you should be focusing on your health, getting your body strong, and working your way back so you can lead your team to a title contention. But all these other things are coming out about you that's not basketball related. And then when you get on the court, you have, you literally play a couple of games and you get hurt again. So I just think like, you know, I just think back to the days where we're talking about from his talent level, he told about he could be all time great from, with his talent level and all time great in, in my eyes and my brand and my, in my time of watching basketball with laser focus and, and honing their craft each and every day. Not on social media, not reading the newspaper, not worrying about what the media is talking about on TV. They're just laser focused. They're in the gym constantly. I'm not saying KD's not in the gym, but you know, it's re- need to recycle your energy, bro. Recycle your energy and take that energy that you can use or want to use on social media and focus that on your brand and your craft, man. Literally focus on things that's going to make you money and get you better, make you the best you can be from a player standpoint and a businessman standpoint. Stop worrying about what people saying on social media, bro nothing good have ever come out of it. Never. He got, had to give an apology and got fined because of the Rappaport situation. He almost got into an issue with Shannon. I mean, come on, bro. Like, come on, man. Like, I just don't understand you or Kyrie's fascination with that and and then get upset about things that people say. I mean, they're going to say things about you right, wrong, or indifferent. They just, they're going to say things. They get paid to say things. They're going to do that. You know, I mean, just let, I mean if, you, if you feel some kind of way about it, Take it out on people on the court. That's what everybody else did. I know Michael did. I know Kobe did. You know, and, and a lot of others. It just it's just fueling the tank. It's fueling the tank. So I, I that's my suggestion to you. Use that as fuel if those things bother you and what they say. Instead of going back and forth and arguing with people in DMs and on Twitter, take it out on the basketball court, bro. Next person you see, give them 40. Just because people got things to say that ain't true. Whatever, man. But you got to have your focus right. You got to have your focus right. Because your team's ultimately going to depend on you. You're going to be the, the biggest cog in that wheel that's going to propel the net so however far they go. And if you're worried about more so what people got saying about you on social media 
and uh, sports talk shows and the media, and you really got, you really got your focus all wrong, bro. That's my biggest problem. That's my biggest problem. Then we get into these durability concerns because every time we turn around, it's you hurt. So that that's problematic for me. I just I just don't understand, you know, what's going on with him. I mean, he's only thirty two years old, you know, so he's not age shouldn't be a factor. And I understand he's smaller frame guy, but I mean, he should be. I mean, he had a year of of time to take off with a leg injury that he could really be the strongest he should be right now. So I'm just curious why he keep getting hurt. It's weird. It's weird, man. You know, but I wish him well. It's, you know, I hope he comes back and, and be and strong and, and healthy. I don't want to see him hurt. I really, really broke my heart when he tore his Achilles, man. I just, I really thought that he was going to take himself to another title when he was in Golden State. But overall, I just think he got, he had to focus on what's, what's important and that's basketball in his brand and take care of those and protect those at all costs. As you can see, people are out here to, to try to take it from you every day. You got to protect it. And, and let's not, let's be 32 year old grown man and let's be so petty. I think that's the biggest bottom line, man. Not be petty. So uh, we, as we talk about high-level talents, we'll talk about the MVP conversation. Uh, I think it's a three-man race at this point. Uh, you know, people have come and gone, fallen off because of injury and things of that nature. You know, so, I mean, it's to me, you know, even though he was hurt a bit, I think uh, Embiid, Jokic, and Luka are the three candidates, although I think there should be votes for Steph Curry and Chris Paul as well. But... And, you know, I, clearly I don't make the voting. I'm not a sports analyst that has a vote, obviously. But that I think that they should, they, those two people should be in the conversation as well, but they're not technically. So, I mean, from, you know, in B's perspective, Yoko's perspective, Luka's perspective, I think that the biggest thing that sets them apart, and, and my prediction, my bold prediction right now is that I feel like Joel Embiid is going to edge them out, even though he missed games, and for this large part, and this big reason right here, that... Joel is playing at a high level, putting up big numbers, much like Jokic and Luka, but they're winning more. They're winning more. They could, honestly, truly, with the Nets having their issues, they could literally be the clear one-on-one seed. So if all our numbers are comparable, even though I missed a few games, and my team is number one versus your team being three, four, five, or lower, you know, that, that holds more weight. It's a story. It's a story on top of your performance, which – ultimately probably propel Joel to be the MVP in my opinion. But that's the scene way to play out. I mean, anything can happen. I don't wish injury on none of these boys. And we've we've seen enough. We've seen enough injuries up to this point. I don't want to see any more. You know, so hopefully they all can play and play at a high level going into it. But I think their performance of their team will matter. I think Joel will end up edging out those two based upon his dominant performances, his versatility, and the fact that his team wins more. You know, and then we, you know, because we can argue hold the whole valuable thing. Because if you take Luka off the off the off the Mavericks, what are they? I I don't think they're a playoff team. You take Jokic off. I mean, my, let's just say I think Jamal Murray's there. Jokic's not there. I think the the, Nug, the Nuggets are a playoff team without Jokic. Taking Embiid off of the 76ers, they may be a playoff team, low seed, but I think they are. They are they are the most dramatic of a drop-off, you know, because I think Luka's team will go from, like, six to out. Jokic's team will go from, like, four to, like, seven, eight, nine, you know, playing game. And I think Embiid's team will probably go to, like, seven, six, seven. It would maybe a playoff team, maybe a playing game game team, playing game team, but their drop is the most dramatic. 
it will go from one to six versus four to seven or or or, or six to out. So I think that you know overall, I think those all line up, and I think Joel Embiid will be the MVP in my opinion. But we'll like I said, we still got fifteen games to play, and we'll see how it shakes out. But I think that's what it is. So let's talk about a couple of player spotlights. Actually, four people I want to target this week uh, that were playing really good basketball. Uh, start with Steph Curry. I mean, we can't leave this man out. I mean, his this, this, the biggest thing about his ridiculous performances in his last, you know, several weeks of him playing at MVP caliber level is that he's made, in his, I think in his career, he's made 21, he has 21 games with 10 or more threes. And he's had quite a few games this year with 10 or more threes. I'm looking at three games, four games out of the last five, he's had 10, 10, 10 or more threes. Four out of the last five. Crazy. Uh, um, got 50, 40, 50 point games in here, rampant. In his last five, he's literally had 53, 42, 33 on a slow night, 47, and 49. Four out of five or were victories. Oh man, the kid is amazing. It is amazing. And, and again, a cry NBA series because Clay's not there. Imagine if Clay has been there and he'd been playing at this level. It's, it'll be ridiculous. You know, I really feel like the, the dynamics of the West would change with because if Clay was there. And I just I just can't wait till he comes back because I really feel like, you know, we don't want we want to seize the moment while they're still in their prime to allow them to be to play together a few more times to see what they can really do with each other uh from a playing together standpoint. And how far can they take it? They, they might need one more player to come in and help them out. You know, a good role player, a uh, good shooter, you know, or somebody, another good defender. Maybe Andre Gildong will come back. Or who knows? I know something like that. But but regardless, you know, I think they can be better and be a much more dangerous team with Clay on the floor. But Steph is doing everything he possibly to will his team into the playoffs, at least the playing game. And it is what it is. I mean, he, they, he's, he definitely down to 76s last night. Just off his own performance, he was 10 to 17 from three, 11 to 12 from free throw line. He had 49 points. Um, should have had 50. I think he missed the last free throw. Should have had 50. So, hey, and the kids is phenomenal. I mean, you get double, triple team, and it doesn't matter. He getting up shots, you know, from Diggles angles, made a left handed shot one Sunday, I think. Crazy, crazy play, crazy play, crazy play. But hey, man, uh, you know, like I said, two time MVP, one unanimous, three time NBA champion. Gotta give him credit, man. Gotta give him credit. So next is up is uh is uh, you know a cat after who can follow him but I'm gonna give Joel Embiid a nod as well. Joel Embiid his team is four out of five in the last uh, five, and his stat lines have been twenty seven and ten, uh, thirty six and seven, thirty nine and thirteen, thirty six and fourteen, and twenty eight and thirteen. <laughs> he had eight assists uh, last night. Crazy, crazy MVP caliber man. MVP caliber. Gotta give a shout out to Joel man. He had a pedestrian night last night, quote unquote. He was only eight of twenty-one against the, the Warriors for some reason. Had a little bit of off night, but but yeah, over there overall, man, he's playing lights out. Playing lights out since that injury. Great, great performance. The next up is Julius Randle. Got to give this man credit. They're five and only last in last five, and this that line is with twenty-six and eight, <laughs> thirty-four and ten, thirty-two and eight, forty-four and ten, and thirty-three and ten assists. With five steals <laughs> against the Pelicans, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, all out of control, out of control. Clearly an all star, clearly the MVP of this team right now, doing this thing big, doing this thing big. So shouts out to Julius Randle, man, former Laker. And uh, other one is Luka Doncic. Luka, man, 
uh, what's I mean, they're not as winning as as much as obviously as everybody else is. They're 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 one in four in the last five, but he it wasn't because of him. He's been doing everything he possibly can. One night against the Knicks, he had twenty two. It was on the sixteenth, twenty two and nineteen assists, and eight rebounds. He's doing everything he can, doing everything he can to possibly will his team. But like I said, I think that's what's going to cost him the MVP because you know he's doing everything, but it's just not translating the wins. You know, but it's that line again. Last five was 29 and seven assists, 32, four assists. He had 29 and nine assists at 22 and 19 and 37 and four and eight rebounds. Doing this thing, man. Big. Doing this thing big, man. I just, uh, I wish he had more help. I think he needs more help in that team. And Porzingis is not giving him the consistent help that he needs to allow for him to uh, be able to get more W's under his belt. And as a team as a whole, you know, I think they definitely need a consistent number two. And if they get that, they will definitely be better. Definitely be better. So as we wrap up the NBA segment, we the COVID updates. There's no significant updates. A few people are on health and safety protocol. Um, but from my understanding, my investigation up to this point, no new COVID cases, uh, people actually having the virus itself. So things are starting to really, really trend in upward, upward movement. And, I'm not sure what the NBA is going to do with the but the playoffs. I'm assuming they're going to do normal arenas this year, and they start to let fans in with the with the vaccine coming out. So I'm assuming it's going to be status quo. Everybody going to be in the home, home arenas playing their games. But you know, from a player standpoint, it looks as if the virus and and, and these game cancellations and these diagnoses are getting less and less and less. And that's definitely a good thing. So shouts out to the NBA. Shouts out to everybody that's been taking care of themselves, man. So hopefully we can keep this trend going and we won't take a downturn in any regard so shout out to that but that's gonna wrap up the nba segment let's move over to the nfl now let's talk nfl and as we've done quite a few times starting the nfl segment in the podcast week to week we talk about deshaun watson there's more developments in his cases and um i want to start with the fact that i want to talk about the texans finally breaking up silence about the situation and i'm Sure, they've gotten questions up till now, and they just decided to speak this week finally after it's been going on for weeks on weeks, and I've been talking about it on for weeks on weeks, and and they've have been in conspicuous in their silence, but uh, they decided to break the break silence this week and give their take on or their stance on how they feel in regards to the Sean's cases. Uh, <laughs> I mean, let's just be honest. They said a lot to say nothing. All they really said in, in large part is that they're waiting for it to play out. Which tells me that much like a old villain in a cartoon in back in the eighties and nineties, they're just sitting back waiting, you know, or even hearkening to Thanos in Avengers Endgame. You couldn't live with your own failure. But what did that leave you? What did that bring you? Back to me. And they're just sitting back waiting. It's like once you finally get this, all this drama worked out, you have no choice but to come back to me. Because we're the only team that's going to have you at the end of all this. Because at at worst or case or best case, this plays out past the draft. You know, depending on who you how you look at or whose side you're on. And once the draft happens, and I said this prior in prior podcasts that. Once the draft comes and goes, the idea of trading for Deshaun is all but done. 
And to me, again, it's all convenient. It's all convenient. And the simple fact that that they will honestly and truly not have a market for Deshaun and ultimately let him know that. And at the end of the day, say that, well, nobody wants to trade for you anymore because of your legal issues, right? So you have no choice. If you want to play football this year, you have to play for the Texans. <laughs> and I still feel like that's a horrible idea and a horrible plan. But most villains and most uh, cartoons especially don't have a good plan. It always blows up in their face. Because if he comes back and, and quote-unquote forced, not willingly, but forced to play for the Texans, it's not going to be because he wants to or, or, or wants to be out there. He's going to be playing in a mild consent environment. He's literally going to have a, uh, I guess you could say, vindictive mindset. Like, I don't want to play for you guys. I don't want to uh, be here at all. I, y'all really back me into a corner and force me to play for you. So I'm just going to do the bare minimum. I'm going to show up and do the very bare minimum. Now, I, I'm not sure if that's good or bad for his marketing because I'm sure once he gets back on the field and he's still going to demand a trade once all this other stuff is resolved. So he's at a quandary. Like, you know, do I, it's all in how you spend it. Like, do you seem as if you're giving a really good effort and you still can do things as a, you know, to be an elite franchise top five quarterback, or you're looking at it like my personnel is bad, so you can't blame me for it. Or are you looking at it like, you know, do I just, you know, just quote, proverbial little shit to bed and blame it on the fact that their organization sucks and just get me out of here. It all depends on who's looking for him, who's checking for him at that time. But people that I had my eyes on outside of, uh, I guess you can say Chicago and the football team, you know, the Panthers were high on my radars as being one of the teams that could get him and have good weaponry for him. You know, but they got Sam Donald now, so they out of the rankings, in my opinion, for the next two years. The 49ers going to get their quarterback. So, really, that's to me, the only leave really truly leaves the, you know, because I'm really sure, I'm really sure if they did trade him, they would want to see him to the NFC. They didn't want to have to see him uh, in large part or, every, you know, practically every year going forward, no matter what the trade suitors in the AFC said. Uh, but, I mean, outside of Denver, there's not many AFC teams need a quarterback either. So, regardless, I mean, the NFC, you know, I can see the football team for sure. The Bears for sure need a quarterback. The only two teams left, and I don't know because football team hasn't really made any aggressive moves to move up in the, in the draft to try to get a quarterback. Maybe they're waiting for that situation to play out so they can trade for Deshaun. I don't know. But regardless, you know, going back to the idea of him being forced to play for Houston, it's not going to be a good look. Like, you, you're, you're being forced to do something rather than wanting to do it. It's two different things. You get two different levels of effort. You get two different levels of effort. So my issue is that why would you want somebody that's going to give you bare minimum effort versus maximum effort just to play for you and not to have to trade him and take a cap hit on his contract? Makes no sense. You really could have traded him long before all this blew up. And it, if it did blow up, if it, if you weren't the cause of this in its own right, let me say that. I still feel like the Texans are the cause of this. But again, you're trying to force this man hand to play for you and you think he's going to change his mind? about his, his quote-unquote disdain for your organization because he now has legal trouble? Highly doubtful. Because, I mean, we're, all, we're talking, not talking about him losing his livelihood. He's not going to jail. 
in this part in this particular situation. He's all at the best at the worst, he's gonna lose the money. That's the bottom line. It, it, if, if it all plays out, all blows up in his face, and he gets uh convicted from a civil perspective, he just gonna lose the money. He's not going to jail. He's never not going to have his freedom. So it's not like he's back to the corner where he could go to jail and be not be able to play football at all. He's just going to lose some money. And if he wins his cases, he will lose no money. So it's just an ugly situation. I just don't get the premise behind it at all. I don't get the premise behind it at all. Because I wouldn't, I, me personally, I wouldn't want somebody that didn't want to be around me working for me you know, playing for me, anything, you know, even from a, you know, high school boys club level, if the kid doesn't want to play for you, then he's not going to give a, a good effort. And it's, it's going to affect the team. He's going to mess around and get somebody hurt probably or himself. It's, it's, a, it's a toxic situation that needs to be rectified. And he's just refused to move. I, I it, It's baffling in my mind. Now, it, now leaning, leaning in towards his new developments in his cases, his lawyer decided to, uh, quote unquote, break his silence in large respect. I want to say that uh, that his lawyer has given a statement. I'm not going to say it's a definitive change in anything, but my question is: Is any of this true? Because his lawyer is claiming that everything that happened, everything that happened. In um, in Deshaun's cases, all twenty some odd cases. I think we're up to twenty three now. All his cases were uh, lies and extortion attempts. Uh, now, whether he can prove this or not, we don't know. But uh, you know, and I alluded to this somewhat in, in talking about this back and forth between sports talking my podcast. That it seems to me, in certain regards, at least, that you know, it was one of those. I'm looking for more than I'm allowed to say publicly because, you know, soliciting sexual acts is clearly not something you want to do publicly, but I think that that's what it was. But, and you're hiding under the, under the auspices of a massage and it's implied that things will happen further than that. And that's what the whole claim from his lawyer to say that, I uh, he had consensual sex with these women, so it it really seems like in large part those were there were at least in certain cases those were those were the issue because some some people have dropped their claim altogether, some people have doubled down, some people coming out publicly. So it, it goes back and forth. It goes back and forth. So you know it's it's weird in a sense, but it's also convenient in a sense that that the fact that. You know, the, all these back and forth claims have come out. You know, these women coming out strong say he sexually assaulted them, and there and he's coming out strongly say there was consensual, and it was an implied hookup for happy endings or you know whatever the case may be. So, hey man, <laughs> at at this point, is this. We know what it is. I mean, it's gonna, it's gonna, it's probably gonna cost him some money just to, just to rectify the situation, the legal fees or whatever the case may be. And the Texans are just playing hardball with the idea they want him to still play for them. I don't get it. I don't get it. 
but I've talked about this for 10 minutes and I'm, I'm just going to move on because it's, it's again, way more baffling to me than anything I've seen re here recently because it just makes, doesn't make any sense, but it is what it is. Let's talk about the Hall of Fame. As you know, jo Judy, Julian Edelman retired last week from the NFL due to injury. And uh, a lot of analysts and people that, you know, journalists and sports writers and opinion makers and things of that nature have argued the idea of whether or not he's a Hall of Famer. Now, I preface this conversation by saying that uh, I, I wonder, I wonder about, I wonder about uh, Calvin Johnson when he made it. Uh, now, granted, Calvin Johnson's numbers are way better and way more extensive than than Julian Edelman's is, right? But I call into question about his quote unquote uh, first ballot win because you know most people can argue the fact that he's hadn't won any meaningful games in large regard. So you can you know go back and forth about his numbers and you know how dominant he was as a receiver, right? You know, four three speed, six foot five, can jump out of the gym. You know, it's amazing. It's amazing, you know, what he did on the on the football field, but it didn't translate to many W's. Now, on the flip side of this, Julian Edelman had a lot of success from a winning standpoint, but he didn't have a whole lot of success from a stat and and I guess you can say yardage and touchdown perspective. So now if it if it comes about that both of these are Hall of Famers, what's truly the criteria for Hall of Fame? And it's not, clearly not just about stats. It clearly is, is, is just about that. It's clearly not just about winning because you have arguments on both sides. Calvin Johnson never won, won anything for real. But Julian Edelman won a lot. He has a Super Bowl MVP, you know, quite a few clutch catches in Super Bowls. I think he has, what, two or three Super Bowl titles, you know, and of course, clearly Calvin has none. So what's the criteria? And, and I, I, I deduce from the ups and downs and ebbs and flows of how people get selected and some people are in and some people are not in, which, you know, from my perspective, some people deserve it. Some people don't, uh, you know, but again, you have to go back to what's the criteria, right? And, you know, there's no clear criteria. You can Google all day and say, what's the criteria for Hall of Fame? No, it's no, there's no rules around reason. It's all voting from previous Hall of Famers, right? And sports writers and things of that nature and board. So my, my biggest thing is, you know, did you argue the whole idea of, of making certain people that are clear-cut Hall of Famers in, in any facet, they're clear Hall of Famers and they, didn't, they had to wait. You know, Terrell Owens and, you know, Randy Moss and people like that. You know, Chris Carter had to wait a long time. You know, number two in practically every single category before T.O. and Randy became a thing. And he take, they took forever to make him a Hall of Famer. This is where we get dicey in a sense, about how you select Hall of Famers. And this is where you understand that it's more to the game than just playing. So buckle up, I'm going I'm to I'm I'm break it down for you. The biggest thing about a player isn't just about his numbers and his accolades. It's about his story. It's about who he is and who he was. And I'm just going to talk receivers. I'm not going to talk about safeties or, or, run, or running backs or linemen, but it still applies. Quarterbacks in his own right as well. It applies. But the receiver 
breakdown. It, it, it'll give you a, a clear insight of what I mean here. So I talked about Chris Carter, right? Chris Carter had drug problems in previous years. You know, he battled his demons. You know, he got back and had a phenomenal career. And, you know, even the sports analysts in large regard for quite some time. Yeah, but he had a negative connotation on his story, right? He had a drug problem. Calvin Johnson, model citizen, never made any waves. You know, I mean, again, great numbers, great numbers for his, you know, his shorter, his shortened career, but never won any meaningful games, never had any clutch moments. He talked about way more about the, the catch rule that got put in place because of his non-catch that one year than any phenomenal catch that he made in any other game because they didn't win much. He was lying for his whole career. They didn't win much, but he gets in first ballot. Terrell Owens, Randy Moss, T.O. more than Randy were locker room problems. People, some people will lay on him as being bad teammates, being selfish, being prima donnas, being divas, you know, only playing what I want to. Bad story. Julian Edelman, Model citizen, model citizen, clutch performing in the playoffs, you know, catalyst of, in, in Tom Brady's legacy. No problems, model citizen. He gets in first battle Hall of Fame, he will fall right in line with all of this. I say all that to say that your, your story and who you are on and off the field matters on top of your performance on the field. Whether you'll be getting, whether you whether or not you get to Hall of Fame right away, or will you be made to wait, or whether you get in at all. If you're on the fence, I promise you this: if Julian Edelman had a story behind his that was negative, and his numbers were pedestrian like they are, he wouldn't get in at all. But model citizen, such performer, reliable, you know, it all all lines up. So I will likely in, in 2026, he'll probably get in first ballot because he has a good story. People that made the way have bad stories in large part, or they have bad reputation or a bad relationship with people, a large amount of people that vote. So that's, that matters. So, and that could play into the idea of all types of awards accolades and things that you're given or voted on by other, your peers to be, to be handed your story. What's your story? You know, Jerry Rice, model citizen, never had any problems. Best wide receiver, you know, statistically, especially that anybody's ever seen because every record, no problems for his ballot. Man, think about it. Your story matters. Your story matters. Let's move on to a different segment. We'll call it put up or shut up. I'm going to talk about some young quarterbacks that's going into this new season here. And uh, they have got some things going on in the organization that are positive. And it's, it's literally put them at the precipice of taking that leap forward. You know, some people say that, you know, quarterbacks at year three, they should, it should start to click. Games should start to slow down. They should start to take that, step to the upper echelon of elite quarterbacking, right? Now, 
some of these quarterbacks, I want to say all the quarterbacks except for one are past three years. So that ideology and that stance should be already implanted in their play. So they got out their sophomore year slump or whatever the case may be. They're all, they're past their three year high, you know, window as far as being a uh, uh, pro rated quarterback. So now you get into the idea of does he have the talent enough around him to be successful? So the question now is, you know, do you have all those things aligned and what's going to, what's going to happen come next season? So we're talking about Lamar Jackson. We're talking about Baker Mayfield. We're talking about Daniel Jones. And we're talking about Sam Darnold. And we're talking about Carson Wentz. All these young quarterbacks that were drafted in and around each other and, and, you know, a year or two apart, right? So we'll start with Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson has won an enormous amount of his games in, the, in, his, in his tenure at, uh, in Baltimore. But the problem is, is that he hasn't translated that into any real playoff success. And if you know the Old Ravens organization, they're judged in their... Uh, and they're obviously measured in their success by their playoff uh, success is the word I'm going to use. So, and Lamar has not, you know, although he's putting up great numbers uh, from a dual threat perspective, you know, hasn't he, you know, he lost his first two seasons in the first round. He won one game this year. He lost in the second round. So, I mean, you naturally would think, you know, the matriculation would mean he would probably get even further this year, but will he? Now, people have questioned the idea of him having weapons around him because people really didn't were really fond of his receiving uh, core, which I, I was critical of. I really was critical of, and and I thought that the Ravens would be a little more aggressive in free agency than I than I saw them be, because um, there were definitely a lot of free agent wide receivers out there that were uh, highly available and could play for them, but they settled on Sammy Watkins. Now, off injured, but can be dynamic in certain regards when he's healthy, but that wasn't the mark I was hoping they would hit. And they picked really low in the draft in the first round. So they would get a high second round wide receiver in a lot of regards, which I would like to believe that they were going to drive at when they pick in later in late in the first round. So you're looking at Marquise Brown, Mark Andrews, Sammy Watkins. I'm not sure they're going to bring Des Bryant back or not. Uh, and their second round talent, they're clearly not going to get into the top three. It's, you know, their second round-ish talent, like a Rashad Bateman or somebody like that, that's going to be their other receiver if if everything shakes the way I think it will. So the question now is, what's Deshaun, what's, what's, not Deshaun, but what's Lamar's uh, ceiling going to be when it comes to uh, his play? Can he take this team to the AFC title game at least? Because that would be the national matriculation. Losing a wild card, then you lose in a divisional round. Now you lose in you make at least make it to the AFC title game. I'm not sure you win or lose it, but can he do that with his core? And I I got questions. I got questions because I was looking for them to have a more of a dynamic receiver. Now we it's unproven what this what this quote unquote rookie would do or not do, but I mean they're not getting Jalen Waddle with Jamar Chase, so it's not a clear cut uh, person that's going to just come in and, and shock the world day one. So I'm curious about what the, what the Ravens are going to be like and what Jackson's matriculation level is going to be like and what it's going to mean because his payday is coming up. You know, he's entering his fourth year, I want to say. So, yeah, they lost the Chargers the first year and a half season. 
lost to lost in the first round, second year, third year. So yeah, so yeah, it's four, fourth year. So he got this year and a fifth year option. So he's got two years before he decides, you know, before the they decide to pay him early. Got two years to decide and and will his progression dictate how much he gets paid? Called in the question. Now let's move over to his, his division mate, Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield, in large regard, has has an immense amount of talent around him. Two great running backs. He gets Odell Beckham back. He has Jarvis Landry. Two good tight ends. Austin Hooper and David Njoku. Great line. Defense is even 10 times better this year than it was last year. So it's really put up a shut up for Baker. And Baker is literally on the last year of his deal. So that, that in its own regard is, is really put up a shut up for Baker because this really is going to dictate his payday. If if he can take this team with a, with a stable stable GM and a stable head coach with his offensive minded, if they could take steps and make it to the conference out of game, hell, maybe they'll meet the Ravens there, <laughs> and they could take the steps to get to legit, be a legit contender, then Baker can get his max deal. But it's really questionable, and I really feel like the Browns are waiting and see whether or not they want to really expend that large amount of money and cap on him based upon his matriculation this year because there's been calls in the question whether or not he's mature enough to handle being a franchise quarterback and, and garner you know 35 to 40 million dollars a year as a franchise quarterback so we'll see where he takes him but it's put up a shut up for Baker Mayfield for sure he has no no excuses outside of injury no excuses why they can't be successful and it's all on him so now we're talking about Daniel Jones moving over to the NFC East. Daniel Jones has got an overhaul and upgrade in his offense. He gets Saquon back for starters. They, they signed Kenny Galladay. They got Sterling Shepard. They got Evan Ingram. They got Kyle Rudolph. So his offense looks holistically different from last year to this year. And he's coming up. It's almost time for him to, to be put up a shut up when it comes to his contract. So the question is, well, what type of leaps and bounds would Daniel Jones take? Because he's having turnover issues in his past two seasons. His coach even flat out told him, like, look, if you want to continue to start, you can't keep turning the ball over. Now, he did manage to, and let's talk about Jason Garrett, he did manage to curb the, the, t- the turnovers down a tad. But ultimately, can he do it for a whole season and producing this offense? Because he has all the weapons he needs. All the weapons he needs. And he get it done. It's put up a shut up for Danny Jones as well. Now, he did get a raw deal. Talking about Sam Darnold. He did get a raw deal in, in, in New York. But again, for him to be on his uh, fourth year and then going to his fifth year option potentially with the Carolina after getting traded from the Jets, it's put up a shut up for Sam Darnold too. He has to prove whether or not he can play. Uh, you know, he's in a worse situation than everybody else is because, you know, he was not drafted by this team. And they're really just testing him out to see whether he can be a good quarterback. You know, you've seen flashes from other 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 guys. You've seen flashes from Lamar. You've seen flashes from Baker. You've seen flashes from Daniel. But you haven't seen anything with Sam Darnold. So it's really the, the, the pressure's really on Sam to flourish in in a, in a condensed time frame with Carolina with the weapons he has. Christian McCaffrey, uh, Curtis Sam, not Curtis Samuel, but uh, Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore. You know, and they could use a tight end. Maybe they'll try to get one in the draft second round or something. But they really, really, really need 
Sam <laughs> to play well for this team in order for him to be competitive. And it really is really the pressure is really on Sam to to really do what he needs to do as far as being a talented NFL quarterback. And he's past his three years, so the, the game should be, you know, uh, from a knowledge and understanding perspective, should be fine. It should be in line. So he needs to put up a shut up or he will maybe be out the league. I mean, or be a backup somewhere. You know, it could be Mitchell. Is he a Mitchell Trubisky or a starter? However you feel. Right up to Sam. Now, the last one I want to talk about is this, is Mr. Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz is probably in the best position of everybody. Carson's in, is in a category seat when it comes down to talent, coordinator, coach, everything is lined up for my guy here. Everything's lined up perfect for him. He got everything he wanted to. He got all the weapons and everything he needs. He's got T.Y. Hilton, Zach Pascal, Michael Pittman, you know, uh, Paris Campbell, Jonathan Taylor in the backfield. Excuse me. Run it with tight end by committee. He's got it all. And his team won 11 games without him. They should bolster their defense in a draft, most, most likely. So it's go time for Carson, man. It's go time. It's put up or shut up. Are you elite, sir? Are you elite or are you a dud? That's really what it boils down to. What are you? Who are you and what are you? Because you have no excuses. Much like Baker, you have all the weapons that you want. There's not an issue about your line, your office of weapons, none of that. So the bottom line is, can you produce with this roster? So that's put up a shut up. So we'll see what these young quarterbacks do and how they take steps when it comes down to the next wave of quarterbacks uh, in 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 the foreseeable future when it comes down to who's going to be elite and who's going to take the mantle once you get Tom Brady's and clearly Drew Brees and Ben Roethlisberger will soon probably go and those big names that we've seen for the last decade and a half, you know, be, be dominant. So who's going to take the steps? Patrick Mahomes is already there. You know, I think Josh Allen taking steps. It's the question of whether the rest of them is going to be like in this, in this up and coming uh, time frame. So now let's talk draft. As before we close out this section, we're gonna talk about drafting. We won't get into our mock draft real quick uh, as we as we close out the NFL segment. Now, this back and forth nonsense with the 49ers in this third overall pick, you know, and I, and I couldn't make heads or tails, and nobody, anybody else that that does this for a living could make heads or tails of why they were hot and heavy on Mac Jones, right? You know, then you get to the idea of Justin Fields doing the second pro day. And he was doing it in, in large part and specifically for the 49ers to prove to them that they need to draft him, right? Which he shouldn't have to do because, he, to me, in my opinion, Justin Fields is the clear-cut number two quarterback in the draft. And I would argue in some regards, he's literally gone head-to-head with Trevor Lawrence in certain regards, either in a, 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 a flag football tournament or, or a playoff game or, or a regular season game, anything like that. And he's outdueled him more than once. They went to camp one time, and he outdoed him in a camp. So he's clearly 1A, 1B in, in regards to being a, a talented quarterback that needs to be drafted high. So you get into the, the psyche of the 49ers, right? Now, the 49ers aren't big on letting their business in the, get in the streets, as, as we say, right? They're not big on that. 
you know, especially in the John Lynch regime. Not big on that. So it was very odd and strange when Adam Schefter tweeted that they're taking Mac Jones 100% with the third overall pick. It's not even, it's no more debate. It's done. It's a wrap. Very odd. And very weird that that's their pick. Because let's be honest here. When they were sitting at, well, let's say 12, they could have sat there in 12 and picked Mac Jones. Nobody was going to pick him, you know, before at, at the time, before you moved up and made this big fuss about Mac Jones. You really, really could have been still pat, not mortgage your future and pick Mac Jones if you really wanted him, right? And you say, oh, well, yeah, he fits the mold of Matt Ryan and Kirk Cousins. <laughs> yeah. There's a ceiling there that you don't want your franchise quarterback to have coming in. I mean, everybody wants limitless potential. But if you're, if you have limitations coming in, that's not a good look. It's not a good look. So as I think more and more about this situation, now look at it like this. Robert Sala has a, has a second pick with the Jets. And everybody say up and swearing down, they're taking Zach Wilson. Now, I call into question all of this, and, I, and this is why. Because clearly, Robert Sala is a defensive guy. You know, people want to, you know, I guess you say crown Kyle Shanahan as being a quarterback whisperer or whatever the case may be. Just in the third, no matter who he has, is he going to flourish in the system? Yeah, I get it. But Sala just left there like two seconds ago, right? And he's a defensive-minded guy, guy. And typically... You know, and me and me knowing this as being a defensive guy, being a defensive coordinator in my in my time frame of coaching and things of that nature, and being a defensive player, you know defense. When you know defense, the idea of you knowing offense, you know it's it's, it's dicey. I mean, you may, I'm not saying you don't know it, but it's dicey. But it's not your specialty. Like you may know some things about it. You know, it's like being a Windows guy, and, but you may know a little bit about Unix, but it's not your niche. You're more of a Windows guy. You know some things about Unix, but it's not your expertise. Yo, Eunice guy, you don't know a whole lot about Windows. You may know a little bit about it enough to have a conversation, but it's not your niche. All right. So if Sala is questioning personnel, because they clearly need a quarterback. They moved off Sam Donald, they're going to take a quarterback. Who do we choose? Now, again, before the whole 49ers thing uh, of taking Mac Jones became a thing, they were high on Zach Wilson, and people were kind of scratching their head then. Like, why would you take Justin Fields? He's clearly the number two quarterback. Why would you take him? Why is Zach Wilson as opposed to Justin Fields? You know, no, we don't get it. But people let that go. You know, they swept that under the rugs, and that's the Jets are just going to be the Jets. That's what they want. No big deal, right? So now here come the 49ers off of the puffing, breathing out in neck at three. Like, well, they're going to take Zach Wilson, and we're going to take Mac Jones. <laughs> Neither one of those picks makes sense. Neither one. So with there being two close ties and knowing and Sala probably thinking to himself because he may just be, you know, quote unquote, outside of his purview, you know, use a nice college word, outside of his purview when it comes to picking off as a talent. And maybe he doesn't have a strong enough offensive coordinator that he trusts to believe that we just need to take the guy he wants. Or, or, or the simple fact that he trusts Kyle's judgment more than he trusts his own OCs. He's looking at it like, well, Kyle knows something that I don't. That's his niche. That's his specialty. He's an offensive guy. Who does he want? And being that I can pick ahead of him, maybe I should look at the guy he really wants and pick him. So 
which would make the 49ers the biggest bluffers and biggest smokescreen people uh, of, of their modern age. I mean, we're talking about the biggest smokescreen of our modern time. Like, I haven't seen the biggest pile of smoke and, 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 and quote-unquote magic and illusions and, and smoking mirrors that I've I've seen in, in God knows when. Like, they landed on thick. As Ha Ha Davis says, boy, he landed on, landed on me thick. <laughs> they landed on the jet stick if they think that they're going to take McDonald's. Because I, I think the clear cut, if they really want Zach wasn't a two, Justin Fields is a three, easy, and he'll have a great career in 49ers. They could literally go to the Super Bowl with Justin Fields as a quarterback. <laughs> but there's, it makes me believe that they're wondering. I think that Salah and Shanahan, although they're playing games back and forth with each other, for the simple fact that Salah knows Shanahan, and he knows that you know if he he's at the mercy of what Salah does. So I'm trying to get the best player possible and trying to use him as a pawn to say that I could get his guy because he's the clear-cut favorite out of all is left. Weird. So I really think this is a big mind game and play on everything when it comes down to the draft in the pick two and three. I'm not sold on the fact that Zach Wilson going to go to. You know, he Kyle Shanahan going to be playing this deep, masterful mind game with Solomon say I'm going to hype Mac Jones up so bad that maybe he'll take him in two and I can have my pick between Justin, between Justin Fields and Zach Wilson. It really could be that because I don't believe for one minute that they're taking Mac Jones. I don't believe it. And if they do, God have mercy on their souls. I feel like it's a big smoke screen. I really feel like they ultimately want to take somebody that they could possibly get snaked out of it too if they're not careful. So to protect their future, because they mortgaged it, they gave up three first round picks to move up to three. So for, for to guarantee that I get my guy at three, which is tough because you only got two people that picking ahead of you, but it could, one of those two could really be your guy that you really are sold on. You, that's the only guy you really want, but you have to put up a facade, a big facade to make it seem like you don't want that guy, and he's not, he's damaged goods. So nobody touches him until he gets to three, and you take him. I really feel like the 49ers are playing big mind games, big mind games with the Jets in that number two pick. Because, I mean, I think the Jet, the Jags are clearly out of running, taking Trevor Lawrence. Like, you just have to take him, and that's just it. But the number two pick, I, they really think they're trying to make Justin Fields look pedestrian so they can take him and really get that guy that they really, really want. Because I don't think they're sold on on Mac Jones at all or Trey Lance. I think they want Justin Fields. They got to ensure they get him, so they got to play the politics. Got to play the politics, baby, and put up the smoke screen. So I really think that's what they're doing. I think it's the biggest smoke screen in the NFL history. And when it plays out on the 29th, we'll see about it. <laughs> we will see about it. But I really think it's a smoke screen. So let's get into our mock draft. Now, we've broken down uh, 1 through 20 at this point. So we're going to do 21 through 26. And I'm going to do all the picks on Sports Talk this weekend. But I'm going to give you a preview of what 21 through 26 is right now. So, uh... 
as we left off, if you haven't, uh, for the uh, radio audience and people that's listening, that's not visually watching this on YouTube, uh, brief breakdown of what one through 20 we have so far. I have Trevor Lawrence going at one. I have Zach Wilson going at two. Justin Fields going at three, as I alluded to a few minutes ago. I have Patrick Sutan going four. I have Panay Sue going five. I have Rashad Slater going six. Michael Parson going seven. JC Horn going eight. Trey Lance going nine. Kyle Pitts going 10. Greg Russo going 11. Mar Chase going 12. Elijah Vera Tucker going 13. Christian Barmore going 14. Mac Jones going 15. Kayla Farley going 16. Uh, Jalen Waddle going 17. Devontae Smith going 18. Christian Derrishaw going 19. And Jeremiah Owosu Komaroa going 20 to the Bears. So that starts off with us with uh, the Coast pick at 21. And I really feel like that Coast pick, uh, they really need uh, a a DB or a pass rusher. But I really think the pass rusher uh, holds more weight than uh, the DB in this regard because I think they still got some solid DBs out there, uh, more so than they have a, a edge rusher to go along with the interior with uh, DeForest Buckner and the uh, linebacking core. So I think they go quitty pay, uh, defensive lineman, uh, edge rusher uh, at the 21 pick. And I'm going to go quitty pay at 21. All right, so the Titans pick at 22. And uh, they need an edge rusher bad <laughs> as well. I think they need an edge rusher in another uh, corner is what they, they basically decimated and, and re, revamped uh, their secondary. They let all the guys that they had go and, and brought us a couple of new guys. But they could use some young talent. But I think their pass rush is more in need than DB, much like the Colts. So I think they take uh, Aziz Olujari. Olujari. <laughs> I hope I, I think I butchered that. But, uh, yeah, I think they go Aziz Olajari, defensive end, edge rusher, uh, at the 22 pick. If I can find Aziz's name, yeah. Olalari. Ola, Ola, Ola we'll call it Aziz Olalari. Uh, at the Titans pick at 22. So we'll go there. So the Jets pick again at 23. And uh, their needs after they pick their quarterback is DB and linebacker and O-line. Uh, I think uh, they go DB here and seize the moment with a second-generation talent by the name of Santi Samuels Jr. I think they take Asante Samuels with the 23rd pick, which will give them two solid picks in the first round. I think they, by them getting Zach Wilson and Asante Samuels, they really have helped themselves and got a nice, decent future ahead of them. So I, I like those two picks. So the 24th pick is the Steelers, and they got a lot of needs. They got running back, O-line, and DN needs. DN slash outside linebacker, edge guy. I think they're in dire need of, but I think the running back is the most paramount thing that they need, even though they don't really have an O-line right now. Um, they still could maybe make a couple of one-year deal moves um, after draft, but for right now, I think they need to seize the moment and take Najee Harris. Najee Harris fits that Steeler build, and I really feel like he would be perfect for that offense to help Ben Roethlisberger out. Uh, so I would definitely take Najee Harris at 24. So 25, we have Jags picking again. I think I, I, once they get Trevor Lawrence, I think their biggest need is O-line and DB. It's upon their roster as as it stands right now. Um, so I have them taking uh, Tevin Jenkins, O-lineman. Uh, I think they're, they'll solidify the interior line more so with uh, having Tevin Jenkins come in uh, at 25 to help out that line. They, can, they got pretty good edge guys in uh, Cam Robinson. Um, especially. So I think they got pretty good edge guys. They need to get interior linemen. I'm thinking Tevin Jenkins will fit the bill for that. Best available on linemen on the, on the board. 
So yeah, I think they take him and uh, to round it out at 26. I think the Browns uh, have a deep need at linebacker. I think everything else is pretty much set from with them from free agency. So I think they take uh, Jamin Davis, linebacker, middle linebacker. I think they take Jamin Davis uh, to help that uh, interior uh, defense. Uh, very good, very good linebacker, underrated. Uh, I think that he they take him at 26. So yeah. So to wrap to wrap it up, I think from 21 to 26 we got Quiddy Pay going to the Colts, Aziz Olulari going to the Titans, Jets get Asante Samuel Jr. The Steelers get Najee Harris, Jazz get Tevin Jenkins, and the Browns get Jamin Davis. So yeah. So that's gonna wrap up our NFL segment. Stay tuned for Lakers locker rooms, Lockdown Davis Podcast. Back with Lakers locker room was a lockdown defense podcast. I'm your host, Coach Defense. Oh man, Lakers, Lakers, Lakers. Rough week, <laughs> but rough, but not rough. I, I think that um, I was pretty spot on, not in the calling the actual games, but as far as how we would fare from uh, this week, uh, we definitely went two and two in four games that we played in the last week. Uh, had some break things go break our way, honestly and truly. But I mean, I'll 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 take it. You know, depleted rosters, and when it comes down to the teams we played, so we started off with the Hornets uh, this past week, and there was no Gordon Hayward, no Lamelo Ball, obviously. Um, I think that um, that was a blessing in disguise in a sense because we, you know, we're depleted as well. You know, some couple guys coming in and out, Drummond coming in and out. You know, Marcus all coming in and out of the lineup and things of that nature. So, I think that was a blessing in disguise. So we end up uh, edging the Hornets out, one on one and ninety three. But then we get to Thursday and we play the Celtics. And I, I alluded to this game earlier in my uh, uh, hot games of the week. But uh, yeah, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum were just too much, man. Even in Stapleton, they were just too much. Jalen Brown has forty points on seventeen to twenty shooting. Like the boy wouldn't miss. The boy wouldn't miss. It's just too much to deal with was doing and that was a fully stacked team and we definitely fell to them 121 and 113 but again wasn't even that close we got we pulled with we you know some garbage buckets at the end and we pulled closer to them at the end of the game but it wasn't close it wasn't close so i mean i, I suspected it could go either way i mean I, you know i had to really key in on the fact that the Celtics were trending upward you know because they were playing bad prior to this last 10 game stretch i believe they're like eight and two uh, so, you know, they're playing really good basketball right now. And like I said, Kimmel Walker is the callus of that. So I got to give him credit what credit is due. So, you know, like I said, they edged us out. Uh, then we had to play the Jazz in the back-to-backs. We had one uh, Saturday and one Monday night. Uh, the Saturday game ended up being a depleted roster for them. Uh, Devin, not Devin, but Donovan Mitchell. I always do that with, the, with Devin and Donovan. I always pair them together and I always call them the wrong name. <laughs> but 
uh, Donovan was Spider Mitchell was out this particular game because of ankle injury. Rudy Gobert and a few other people didn't play as well, and uh, we the Lakers took full advantage of that. Uh, we beat them one twenty seven to one fifteen. Andre Drummond had a nice game in this game as well. Uh, I'm a little uh, a little up and down with him because he's uh, really inconsistent right now. Um, you know, he faced Rudy Gobert last night, and it, it didn't go as well as it did in the first game, obviously, with no Rudy. So, and Rudy's a great defender. Now, take no away from him. I mean, he's always been running for me for a defensive play of the year, the way he plays on a night in and night out basis. Steals, blocks, you know, just overall defense of the rim is just is stellar, man. He, he's a great player. But, again, Drummond just been really inconsistent. Even even if it's not playing against Rudy Gobert, he's been really inconsistent. So, that's calling the question for me, and I need him to rectify that. Um, much like I'm now seeing... KCP rectifies three-point shooting. Now, that's a bright spot. KCP, win, lose, or draw right now. His three-point shooting is on point. Now, I needed to stay that way. We got 15 games left, buddy. Stay hot and carry that into the playoffs. That's a plus. But overall, I think just from the standpoint of the four games that we played, uh, again, against depleted rosters, but the confidence that we built, uh, win or loss, and I've seen Shooter play really well. I've seen Kuzma play really well. Like I said, Drummond's been inconsistent, but KCP's found a shot. Uh, I've seen Caruso really play really, really good defense. Montrezl Harrell's been consistent. He's building his confidence back up. He had a little shaky, little, little, little stint there um, in the middle pack of these games that we missed LeBron in. But he's starting to really come back um, and trend upward. I need Marquise Morris to kind of turn the corner for me. But overall, holistically, this really – could be uh they reuse the term I used a minute ago, a blessing in disguise with LeBron AD being out because it really and truly built the confidence of our role players. And I, that was an issue for me slightly when AD was in LeBron were there. Uh, this role players weren't playing that well. And only the few games we did lose, we lost because of that. Now, and then AD went out first and then LeBron came. They the role players still weren't, although we played really good demons, the role players still were heavily relying on Bron Dennis to do a lot. And if they weren't completely and totally dialed in offensively, we lost, we could lose a the game then as well. So with the confidence being built with the role players and they started to trend in the upward direction as far as being uh, confident and playing high-level basketball, especially from the offensive end and knocking down threes especially. And we haven't been Macklemore as well at an S of the Freakers, and he's been, he's been a little streaky. He's been a little streaky, but the, the small contributions that we need him to do as far as being – that guy that can knock down key threes when we when you know everybody else is being uh focused on, I think he can do that. So I think that we are really, really in a good spot. And it, and now looking at our timeline, they're talking about AD could play this week, potentially. You know, maybe uh the next game we have against the Mavericks. We have two games straight against the Mavericks and in, in, in not not back to back nights, but you know, much like we had to do with the Jazz, we played one uh Saturday, we play one Monday, so I think we'll play again on Wednesday or Thursday. Thursday, I believe, the game is Thursday. So we'll play, you know, he could play Thursday at the worst-case scenario Saturday. So uh, that's that's definitely a positive. I want to see him do some light work, maybe put him on a minutes restriction and see him work himself back into shape, and then hopefully LeBron can come back in by the end of the month and we can rock and roll. But I think AD, on top of what the, what the, what the role players are doing, that added – uh, point production. If he just gives us a good, solid ten to fifteen, uh, if you look at the games we've we've lost, that will have made the difference in large regards. So we could definitely trend upwards from a, a game-winning perspective and try to hold our position in the Western Conference. 
and and I think that will truly be fine if he comes back and, and contributes at a decent level. And when LeBron comes back, we can hold piece together and have the last eight and the nine and ten games maybe to play with each other holistically and ride into the playoffs. So, so looking forward, like I alluded to, we get the Mavericks twice, and then we get the Magic. We got three games between times we talk. So we get the Mavericks twice, uh, Thursday and Saturday, and then we get the Magic, I believe, on a Monday night. So all winnable, all winnable games, the Mavericks aren't playing well at all right now, and the Magic are rebuilding. The Mavericks, and we do, if we get 80 back for those games, I'm not sure if he'll play all three or he'll play one or two, but just having him, I think we can win those games without him, but having him will definitely be an added bonus, and I want to see him get his legs under them, get his strength back, and hopefully we can uh, get past these injury bugs and, and start to play solid Lakers championship basketball, man. But I really feel like um, we made the, we really made a silver lining out of this dark cloud that was the injuries that we had. So I like the way the role players are playing, and even in losses, they're really playing well. If you look, if you really drill down into the beat of what's going on in the game, I mean, it's been spurts where I've seen Kuzma go off for six to eight straight points. You know, same thing with Schroeder. You know, drumming and be dominant on certain nights. You know, having 20 or so points and, you know, almost 10 rebounds. So we can get that, uh, those snapshots and key moments with LeBron AD on the floor. It'd be highly, highly problematic for anybody that we have to face in the West. So I like our chances. I really do. So we'll see how it fares, man. Like I said, we got... AD hopefully coming back soon and LeBron come back within a week or two. And hey, man, if Drummond can can really change and rectify that consistency and we get what we need out of uh, Bill McLemore, those two additions will be paramount to helping us repeat. So I'm, I'm loving our chances. Loving our chances. So we'll see how it sticks out. We'll talk about the uh, weeks to come. And hopefully we have some AD news, him being on the floor uh, in next week's podcast. So. That's going to wrap up Lakers Locker Room. Stay tuned for the full quarter closeout. It's Locked On Davis Podcast. Back with the fourth quarter closeout of the Lockdown Davis Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Defense. I appreciate everybody that's been listening, indulging me in this time, episode 36. We are wrapping it up. We're the fourth quarter closeout. Uh, please like, comment, and subscribe. As always, share, tell your friends about it. We in the building, man. We are here. Great content, unique, and real in the field, man. So appreciate everybody's love and support uh, in this time. And we as we grow our channel. Uh, as always, man, we're going to give out an awards for Breakout Player of the Week, Lockdown Defender of the Week, and Big Dummy of the Week, so let's do it. Oh, I mean, it's not a whole lot of surprise here uh, with this first guy. <laughs> this first guy is playing out of his mind. I haven't seen anybody play this uh, high of basketball in efficiency and scoring in quite some time, maybe not ever. Steph Curry. Steph Curry in his last week has averaged 
42.8 points a game, five rebounds, and 5.3 assists. Uh, 21 games where he hit 10 or more threes. He's had, and he's had three just this week. It passed. I mean, amazing. Uh, ended the 76ers winning streak last night as well, uh, going off for 49 points. They had another game with a 10 threes in every game. Oh my God, it was just, it was crazy and amazing. Crazy and amazing what his man has been doing, and, and he's not stopping. He's not stopping. He really needs votes. I don't see, I'm not going to say he should win it, but he really needs votes for MVP. I'm telling you, he's playing, he's playing that well. But secondly, Julius Randle, got the Knicks playing really good ball right now. They're on a hot streak. He's averaging 36.3 points a game and 7.7 rebounds and 7.3 assists as he leads the team uh, to a tie with the uh, Heat, I want to say, or the Celtics, excuse me, the Celtics uh, with the four and five seed right now in the playoffs. So they're looking good to lock in the playoff spot right now with 15 to play, 15 games to play. So shouts out to the Knicks and Julius Randle, man. So for lockdown defenders of the week, Rudy Gobert brings his his, uh, his talent right back to our board again. Uh, 47 rebounds over the course of the week, and he did sit out a game. Imagine that. Three steals and 13 blocks. Imagine had he played that second game against the Lakers. Ooh-wee. But yeah, balling out there definitely is a leading candidate for defensive player of the year. Gotta give him credit. What credit is due? He's a great defender. Hell of a defender. Uh, and a name that surprised me this week, uh, Daniel Gafford for the Wizards. Uh, he had 26 rebounds in total this week with 10 blocks and two steals. So shouts out to Daniel Gafford, Wizards hometown team, uh, getting locked down defender of the week. Uh, he definitely was balling out there and helping the Wizards try to turn things around in, in the city. So definitely give shouts out to Daniel Gafford. So to Steph Curry, to Julius Randle, to Rudy Gobert, and Daniel Gafford, you get breakout player of the week and locked down defender of the week. Now on the big dummy the week, and I got to give it to Kevin Durant because Kevin Durant is definitely showing up in the media and the news this week for all the wrong reasons. I mean, for beefing with Steph, with with, uh, with Rappaport and weeks beforehand, that was one thing. But just this week alone, beefing with Shannon Sharp, uh, getting uh, called out on social media for not including Russell uh, Westbrook in your top five uh, players that you played with. Is, was quite odd. Yeah, Serge Ibaka in there versus Russell was crazy. Uh, you know, then uh, then turn around and actually play a game and get hurt. Oh man, he down bad. <laughs> he, Kevin Durant is really down bad, and I really really need him to get his mind right and get his level of focus because that because we're going to add into the auspice or the conversation about him saying that his his accolades, his personal accolades, and his things he do personally on the court weigh heavily is much as winning titles sorry bro that's not the way to, that's not the way that's not the move if you want to be on that Mount Rushmore of people in the NBA and saying that you were all-time talent those titles matter sir you can have all the wars in the world but you if you don't have those titles to back it up everybody on that Mount Rushmore got titles buddy and multiples I mean I got two I give you credit but yeah you gotta have uh, those titles in large abundance if you classify that Mount Rushmore on top of the numbers you put up so Rolling for score, but you gotta have those, gotta have those titles, buddy. Those matter more than just your personal accolades. So, I'm sorry, man. I love you, hometown kid, but I need you to get your mind right, get your focus on your craft, and hone your skills, and get right on the court, and stop messing around and wasting energy on social media and and arguing with critics and and DMing people, you know, nasty grams and all this kind of crap. Just focus on basketball, man, and 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 really get. 
deep dark into your brand and build your brand and build your game and get back on the court and, and play at a high level that I know you can. So Kevin Durant, I'm sorry, but you get the big dummy to go up. You big dummy. So that's gonna wrap it up, man. I appreciate everybody's time and support as y'all indulged me over this time. Uh, like I said, each and every Tuesday, right back down here at 10 a.m., YouTube, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, you name it, we doing it. All the links to everything is in the description of these videos. Check it out. Uh, share with your friends. Let everybody know that we're here. Sports Talk with Coach Curry. It's going to be a really good show this week. We're doing our final mock draft leading up to the draft on episode 19. We have a special guest, too. So check that out. We're going to do a lot of hot and heavy news for the NFL and the NBA. So check us out there on the Sports Talk Debate Show on Twitch.tv forward slash Lockdown David Sports. As always, I'm your host, Coach Defense. I'll be here, as always, next week. Tune in, 10 a.m., Tuesday mornings. Step up and lock it down.